0: Hey, thanks so much for listening in to The Better Podcast. Wherever you're listening to this from, I want to say a big thank you for joining us today. On this show, I hope to explore stories and ideas that highlight fitness as a vehicle for peak expression. So whether you're a new mom sneaking in some gym time between work, life, and raising a child, or an elite athlete cruising on the road for a long run, I hope you really enjoy the next 60 minutes of our conversation. On today's show, we have someone super close to my heart. He is a CrossFit coach, radio DJ, Under Armour brand ambassador, and professional magician, Nasri Harif. Nasri and I first worked together four years ago in a little CrossFit gym tucked away in Brunei, which quickly expanded into an empire of fitness called 673 Fitness, led by Michael Mogard. In this episode, we talk about what it takes to follow your dream, what storytelling and magic have in common with fitness, and how to go all in on something that you know you're just meant to do. So without further ado, please strap in and enjoy the next 60 Minutes with Nazri Harith.
1: Hi Mel! What's Am up? I sh- Does What's going on? sound like I'm shouting? <laughs> or is that okay? <laughs>
0: I mean, that's, I feel like that's your default, <laughs> that's so don't worry about it. Oh my goodness,
1: everyone always says I, I'm so loud.
0: <laughs> for those of you who don't know, Nasri is also a radio host. Um, tell us about how long you've been a radio host for, Nasri. So I've been a radio
1: host from 2010 until present day.
0: So that's almost wow. seven years, man. My gosh. I feel old now. And when... and when did you um when did you decide to leave your nine to five to pursue like five different jobs? wow I think uh I straight straight
1: at it no no whining and dining with you Mel um um, I decided I think the the process like started in like late 2013 but I pulled the trigger in early 2014. Mm -hmm. What were you doing before this? So I was doing uh so I have a a background in uh, corporate communications mm-hmm. and I was uh, setting up the corporate communications unit for a local financial institute mm-hmm. and uh, yeah so I was the guy that was doing all the press releases and the events and branding and all that stuff for
0: the uh, for the uh, place and on your side hustle, you were basically just showing magic tricks <laughs> to chicks and hoping they pick it up. Oh, the side hustle!
1: So I think it's it's crazy. I think I, I've been asked this recently, like a uh, number of times, so like, what do you do? And, and it just gets it gets a little crazy, man. So so I'm a I'm a radio I'm a I'm a radio DJ. I'm mm-hmm. a professional magician. Yeah. I'm a CrossFit coach, uh, and I'm the ambassador for Baiduri Visa, which is a local bank here, and their Visa card. And ambassador for Under Armour mm-hmm yeah mm-hmm. just uh, recently you did a comedy gig i did do a comedy gig thanks you've been stocking i mean did you like it
0: well <laughs> let's talk about that <laughs> okay. i think okay. i
1: always i'm a jack of all trades but a master of none so
0: <laughs> that's really interesting to me mostly because it takes a lot of courage for people to you know say goodbye to their paycheck and mm-hmm. and launch five different things that don't traditionally seem to pay money
1: especially in asia you know what i mean like like with if our parents were to hear about something like this it's always so like <gasps> like what are you
0: doing you know what i mean <laughs> yeah yeah i mean especially as a magician right like we talked a little bit in the pre-interview about being a magician in brunei yeah. and how that's just not, not just t- challenging by itself but yeah. just challenging to communicate to other people your worth and your value
1: for sure, I I agree. It's, I think when I started performing professionally in like two thousand eleven, like the rates were so low for Mag- I had to make up my own like really low rates because so they're like they're cream of the crop, and then you had yeah. your dancers. But magician was like way at the bottom of like the performing food chain, you know. So every year I sort of had to you know invest into better props. I had to you know prove that I was a quality performer, and I could slowly bump up my rates like every year. Right.
0: So how did you get started? Did you always want to do magic?
1: Like, I've always been into magic. Uh, As a kid, my mom bought me a Paul Daniels magic set. He was like a UK magician. Mm. Um, And like, I I liked it, but it wasn't like, oh, man, this is like what I do for the rest of my life, you know, but (laughs) I was always like, I was always impressed by like David Copperfield. I mean, the guy made the Statue of Liberty disappear. I Mm -hmm. mean... Just a regular Saturday night for him, you know what I mean? And, uh, <laughs> and like, but then uh, I saw I saw David Blaine like in the in the two thousands. Like David Blaine made magic cool again. It was like the MTV version for like magic, you know what I mean? Like it was yeah. hip, it was new, it was fresh. But at the time, I was like, man, like, there's no way I can do this. He's got a pact with the devil, and there's no chance that anyone, any
0: mortal. That's that's how all of us feel about you. Big, Just big so you on know. the John Chia. <laughs> especially John. John loves
1: the videos that you put
0: up on uh, your IG. So uh,
1: yeah, so like I never saw myself as as being able to learn these things you know there was just no resources Mm -hmm. like that in brunei you know like i think in america they've got you know they've got the magic circles like in in, you know the 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 magic castle it's literally like every like state or every area has their own chapter for these like magic groups and stuff it's crazy and there's always going to be a professional magician in that state who's going to be able to like show you the ropes one way or another you know what i mean and like so, here I was like, ah, oh, there's no. I'm like, I looked at it, and mm-hmm. I, I decided early. All right, he's got a, He made a pact with the devil. There's no way I'm gonna be a magician. You know what I mean? So, um, and then one time, I invited a friend over. We had just had to get together at my place, and he was like, "Do you mind if I bring a buddy of mine?" I'm like, "Yeah, whatever. Like, you know, the more, the merrier." So here, here I go inviting strangers into my house, and <laughs> <laughs> uh, just a regular Saturday night everyone. for the drinks. No worries. He, he said he he was a you know so my friend was like you know we're hanging out on the balcony. I remember this like clear, uh, you know and and he was like oh my my buddy's a magician and I'm like, no way like there's no way he's a magician you know like so you know and and I think because when you're with friends you're hanging out and you're you're in a special state of mind where you're just open to have fun and you're just open to be to be amazed mm-hmm. and all this stuff. Yeah, to be to be bedazzled. To be dazzled. Um, so, you know, he started showing <laughs> yes. some magic tricks. And because of the state of mind I was in, I was like, oh, my goodness, that's so amazing. But then now I look back and I'm like, they were the most like terrible tricks I've ever seen in my life. Like, I mean, as a, as through a magician's eyes, I think. I mean, it's a bit snobbish to say, but <laughs> I was just like, really? Like, you know, what? like, I don't even remember who this guy was. Uh, I wish I could because he... He inspired me, man, because the next morning I woke up and the first thing I thought to mm-hmm. myself, like, man, if this local guy, if this local Bruneian Malay dude can, like, learn magic and do magic, like, I want to do it, too. So, you know, conveniently enough, I had mm-hmm. 50 easy magic tricks, a uh, book on my shelf. How convenient. <laughs> and I learned the most simplest trick. And, and mm. I guess, uh, as they say, uh, that's that, you know, that's how, that's how it happened. The rest was history. Mm.
0: <laughs> um, so in our pre interview, you talked a little bit about yeah. going to a cafe the and then realizing... The potential. Realizing. From- that. <laughs> I mean, okay. I wouldn't say pick guess, up uh, chicks, but, you know, attracting so I'm, attention. I've
1: always like... Okay, so, so basically... Um, I was hanging out at this cafe in Gadong which is like where where kids you know used to hang out back in the day Uh, and I was hanging out with these two girls they were friends of mine my friends like girlfriends I don't know where the guys were but I was just hanging out with these two girls and this guy came over and I know exactly in my head I remember exactly how he acted he's like Mr he was Mr. Player Player you know he was like super slick he was the guy he was one of the first like guys in our group to start like going to the gym like he was like he thought you know he knew he was smooth you know what I mean and he came over with like a deck of cards and he's like, hey girls, like, yeah, can I show you a trick? And then the girl's like, oh my gosh, like what's going on? <laughs> you know? And he starts doing this, this like really old like <laughs> trick that your grandpa would do. Like I told you about this, but I don't think you're familiar. I think most people will know that it's like the, they, they deal like seven cards into three rows and somehow like he figures out which one your card is. So the girls were like, oh, okay, yeah, that's cool. And then I was like, oh, like, guys, right. like I just learned this like like this magic trick with the cards. Can I show you? And they're like, oh, sure. And I showed them this trick. And when I look back at this trick, it's one of the easiest tricks in the world. And uh, when I showed them the trick, they reacted. They were like, oh, my gosh. And player, player pulled me to the side. And I was like, bro, you got you to gotta teach me this trick. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so-
0: <laughs> Yeah, now so, you're in the circle. So, okay. You're in the oh, magic circle now. Like, if,
1: if these are the reactions I can get from magic, like I, I wanna I wanna figure out like I wanna learn more. I wanna do more of these things, you know, and, and just amaze people. Like I thought it was pretty cool. Mm.
0: And a big part of what you do is I mean, obviously, being in front of a huge yeah, crowd, yeah. And I think, crowd and att- I think, uh, attracting attention, sure. right? I
1: think holding attention would be the best—the uh, best term for it. Like, I think instead of attracting attention, it'd probably be like if I was like busking on the street. So, I mean, I've done mm-hmm. street magic before, so yeah. I've, I've, I've definitely had to attract attention. Yeah. But, uh, oh, like you know, there's some. Have, where have you Brunei done? Where have you done street magic like a, a long time ago? But it never, never came to fruition. No, it never came to fruition. <clears throat> Actually, most recently, you know, uh, on Sundays we have Bandar Kutria here, like a car-free like, you know, day in the city. So I'm, I'm competing in this mm-hmm. talent show that's happening in like a week. And uh, we had to do this interview with uh, this international coffee chain uh, that's in the middle of Bandar. And they wanted to do the interview mm. outside and I had to do a performance as well. And there's no cars. It's just random people walking around or being on their bicycles. And I had to attract a crowd to show magic So because it would be weird because I was with a beatboxer and he could, I mean, just beatbox and people would be like, whoa, that's cool. You know, there were dancers. But with me, like I need, I need people to watch. Like if you right, don't right. watch, then. But yes, yeah, so I guess you could say, uh, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I think part of it is attracting attention, but I think another big part of it is holding the attention.
0: Yeah. Ah, and uh, I mean, obviously, when sure. you for wear sure. so many different hats, some of those things overlap, right? We talked a little bit about how you coach. You're yeah. also a yeah, radio DJ. Sure. Obviously, exactly. for that, people need to uh, listen. I, yeah, sorry. Uh. <laughs> so uh, I, I really yeah. feel there's that overlap. No, go Even ahead. That you're, you're gonna attention say attention
1: thing. Like, you know, I got I, I have to make sure my talk sets whether I'm radio, like whether I'm a radio DJ or whether I'm coaching someone or whether I'm doing a magic trick, I wanna make sure that every line I deliver has a purpose and and make sure that it, it, it holds their attention and whatever I'm talking about has some st- substance so that it holds on to their attention. Uh, I think so, I talk to myself a lot. How do you do that? <laughs> Big, big surprise, Najri. Well, all, all the friends in my head tell me that. You know? so, no, I think uh, I'm constantly tweaking. Like I think when it comes to so if I'm working on a magic effect, I'm constantly working on the script. So I'll I'll have a script in my head and I'll repeat it to me over and over again and see like which is fluff, which needs to stay there, and then I'll work it and see which lines actually hit. Like do they, you know. And still like a joke out of it. Like, do people find it funny? Do I change it? Like, you know. And it's the same with coaching because when I'm giving mm-hmm. an athlete a cue. I don't want to bombard them with so much things you know what I mean I'm sure you're a coach too you understand like you don't want to be like if, if someone's like squatting weird I don't want to be telling them like okay chest up uh, knees out and then feet flat and if it's the first time in the gym they're going to be like whoa what am I supposed to do you know so it's to keep things concise and and really be specific I think so even with radio it's the same thing I don't want to waffle on I, I just got to make sure I hit the hit the points
0: So, okay. if you walk us through a process of you designing a trick, so uh, there's one with, of two ways. Where would it start?
1: I think one is I come up with a story that I want to tell. So, I think my goal every time I put on a magic show mm-hmm. is one is to uh, take people out of their everyday lives, you know, because I think sometimes we're just so. Caught up in life, that we're just we're we're on a timetable. We're we're like, oh, I got to do this tomorrow. And yeah, for sure. If I can just take them out of that 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 you know state of mind, even though it's for like one minute, or if it's for like thirty minutes, and 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 put them in a in a, a state of astonishment or to amaze them, I think that's like my goal. So, uh, you know, man, I, I totally lost my my state of mind. <laughs> I totally lost my
0: my train of thought. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's it's like so, a moment of so intrigue. You're games. trying to design is, with purpose. Uh, yeah,
1: sorry, sorry. Uh, the aim of my show. The aim of my show is one is to 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 put them in a state of astonishment, and two is I want them to leave knowing a little bit about myself. Mm-hmm. Like I want my shows to be a little bit more personal, because. I'm not I mean, Ooh. there are some magicians out there who are amazing that's magicians, but I'm not a fan of you know like, "Oh, look at me, I'm pulling a dove. Oh, here's a cane. Oh, where'd the cane go? You know I'm, I, I don't like that. I like I like sharing stories, I like building stories with other people, and and when they leave my shows, I want them to know a little bit more about me, like who I am or what I do and, and the the moment we just shared in the past half an hour. so that's that's my goal when I come up with when I you know do a show. yeah.
0: I love that. Yeah. There's um one thing that I mean before we go on, I, I I don't want you, I don't want to interrupt you, but yeah, just so that everyone's clear on what kind of magic you Rabbits do, because when we think mag- magician, <laughs> we think top hat, we think you know, yeah. <laughs> exactly like Hugh Jackman. Yeah. Uh, oh, I haven't seen you know, that yet. I saw British men on it was Earth, but, good, but so that's I'm not like, that's it's not trained. the kind of magic. <laughs> yeah. That that's yes. not what Nazarene does, though. That's absolutely not what he does. Um, yeah. He's uh, he describes himself as a mentalist. So one of the coolest tricks I've ever seen you do. <laughs> I was just it say. might have been cool mostly because I was a little bit drunk. <laughs> we were in Korea, so mm-hmm. we were wrapping up the Asia Championships final in Korea. And we were all in a bar, and you yeah. pulled a girl up on stage and you asked her to think of a name. Yeah, I was and worried, man. This girl spoke very, very little English, right? And <laughs> and all you asked her to do was you know you she didn't even give you a clue or anything like you were going through i don't know what you were going through but basically you pulled a name out of her head and it was yeah. so eerily close because it wasn't even an english name it wasn't like a common emily mary you know whatever like it was, like, it was name, correct, yeah. like almost it was a japanese name right am i right
1: <laughs> that was the first time we've oh known each other that for like years blew- and that was the first my time you mind. saw
0: me do magic i think Yeah, I think so. It, 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 that's crazy. Yeah. Um, so before before we go any further, like, I just wanted everyone to know that Nazar Harith <laughs> yes. has made that's, a pact with the like devil. That head. is that's just like how he does it. For people to Case take. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, yeah.
0: let's go back to the, the original track. Basically, you think about what yeah. you want to do, yeah. which is to connect the audience with you, and also yeah, put them sure. in a state of astonishment or so delight. When I when I'm creating a, period a trick,
1: of it goes uh, what goes on? Like? Uh, I would either uh, figure out what story I want to share with the audience and what is the best trick or what's the best effect that I could do to complement the story. So that's one uh, case. The other case is if I find like a really exciting mm-hmm. new effect or a new method or a new you know prop or something, Uh, or a new, a slight, a new skill is, then I'll do that and I'll see how, you know, what story I can choose to go around that. So it it either starts from a story or it either starts from a a new prop or a new, you know, skill or something. Yeah.
0: Right. Which one do you think works better? The story that that comes um, before the the trick or the trick that comes before the story? Because it
1: ends up, uh, you're not forcing the story anymore. It's like, what do you want to share? So... Then it, then it just forces me to choose what tricks best complement hmm. the story, if that makes sense. Yeah. So yep. I'm... Yep. So, Can okay, you give so, us an example? Okay, so... <laughs> I, I mean... <laughs> oh,
0: we're walking I'm into the, the magician's this, uh, world TV right now. Right this now is so
1: exciting. I love it. It's called The Grandmaster Asia, which is... Uh, it's like mm-hmm. an, a reality show, kind of like, you know, like The Voice, and people have to like they all sing and they have to battle each other yeah. and then everyone, someone gets eliminated and stuff like that. So it's like the Voice. No chair. Wait, yeah, but yeah. No, yeah, so it's it's like chair turning element to it, right? Because the they need to watch were chosen. Yeah. Okay, uh, and I was one of them. Like, thankfully, I don't know, I don't know how my name got slipped in there, or like they must have mistaken me for like another Nasri. <laughs> but like, so I, <laughs> so. Uh, I was yeah, so so humble. It, it, it's, it's an elimination so- show with magicians, and you have to come up with like competition acts, which are like you know, for me, I'm a, I feel like I'm a like a my 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 job is to entertain, so I usually take one effect and I try to squeeze as much entertainment out of it as possible. However, if you're competing, uh, you've got a time frame and you're mm. gonna try and fit as many pieces of magic as you can in that time frame. So it's a very different style than I'm used to. But uh, I came up with, uh, like, a, mm. and I, I thought to myself, like, okay, what do I want to share? And I told, you know, one of the things I wanted to share was, like, I was always the odd one mm. out as a kid, right? I was never I was never the popular kid. Like, I was always, like, the yeah. kid that never like, got picked last for sports or, like, I was, I was just awkward, you know? Like, I didn't, you know, <laughs> that's why we're friends. That's uh, why we're friends. So, yeah, so I, I wanted to tell <laughs> talk about that. And... One of the ways I escaped being like, you know, like uh, like the awkward lonely kid or whatever or is I used to read a lot, you know. So from there then I stemmed to like what do I like to mm. read and I was like I really like reading comic books. So I wanted to do an, a a story or an effect where which revolves around comic books so like I could come on and be like you know, I, this is my favorite comic, but unfortunately, it's all torn. And I show like different pieces of like torn comics, and you know, with a snap, the whole comic restores itself. And then I say, I used to, I don't, I, I haven't even like shot this yet, so this might be like very bare bones. I gotta, I gotta keep this on on the wraps. Doesn't think wow. the competition is listening, you know. <laughs> uh, and then <that, laughs> I know, I was just so. Could have picked the most any other example, example. I think. Like, so. You know, there's that, and I'm like. I would produce, like, you know, if I fold the comic and I reach inside, I pull out, like, a toy and, like, a whole story that revolves around that. That was was my goal for this, like, routine. So something personal, something that I genuinely like, Mm -hmm. and then using magic to, I think, drive the message even further.
0: And how does a trick? How do you know when a trick is done? As a, I think, as, you in terms can't of uh, designing until you the keep experience, testing
1: it over and like over, and over again. Like you gotta, I think you know, uh, I think once you hit it, maybe about once you practice, uh, once you perform it for like fifty times in front of a crowd, then you probably kind of know the hits and misses, and then you adjust from there.
0: Yeah. Mm. Is. Is there a, a favorite trick for um, you to perform, like just in that front that of fans, uh, friends and family?
1: Because it's always just like off the cuff, like it's impromptu. But you know, there's stuff that I do with coins. And if there's a, I used to be that annoying mm-hmm. guy that walks around with a deck of cards everywhere. I used to be that guy. I'm not gonna lie and be like, "Hey man, a <laughs> Like you know, I, I used to be that annoying guy. But then I learned. I told myself, like, "Hey, like, if you were really a magician, you do magic with like other things." Like, so I learned to do coin magic. And after coin magic, I learned to do. Like magic with like whatever I could have on me, like you know, like a sharpie marker or whatever. And then I got into mentalism, which I really <laughs> like, where it's literally just you and another friend, just like think of a name or think of an experience or whatever. It makes it a little bit more personal, I think. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's mm. what actually you I also that's, swallow that's needles routine that, that gets the <laughs> most weirdest reactions. <laughs> so I, I just swallow needles. <laughs> Maybe i think, the, I think Positive it's, it's ones. not really negative it's just it's just reactions of disgust because i think it's it's weird <laughs> i would categorize it as I think negative it's, okay for the guys like and girls <laughs> listening out there I just literally swallow you know 20 30 needles they swallow a thread while i have a spectator on stage checking my mouth like they literally have oh, i give them a flashlight oh. and they check my mouth like all the time and <sighs> and then <laughs> and then uh and then yeah, i just pull out the thread and all the needles are like very harry houdini style. see i wanted to do that trick because like one the history of magic is always it's either harry houdini or but if you look into the history of magic as well they always look back mm-hmm. to like india and there were these like guys called fakirs who would do like these amazing things mm-hmm. like swallow swords they'd walk on coals you've seen these guys you know And one of the tricks that, you know, that was very popular then and was a popular, uh, like, staple for, like, Harry Houdini was, like, needle swallowing. And it's something I've always wanted to do.
0: So I'm just kind of curious, like, when you start picking up these different tricks, (laughs) your mom's reaction must have been, like, just... I don't know, what? like for for her to not just encourage you to do this, but to enable yeah. you, right, to allow you to make this into a profession. Like, so she so my be mom else. is Tell like us a the, bit about your the mom. hardest spectator in the world. She's she's she's
1: technically a magician. She knows all the moves and all the stuff <laughs> because she was like my like I don't, don't want to say guinea pig, but she was like the eyes and ears of like like the worst audiences I could ever like you know have all rolled into one. Like they super scrutinize everything and like yeah. you know so. My yeah. mom is is very and she's very blunt with me, which I which I love her for. You know, she's not like, mm, I guess I didn't see that card, but you, you know, <laughs> she's like, yep, I saw it. Go like go back to see it. Well, okay, like all right, I'm gonna go now. And like you know, and it it helped me build like a like an armor, I guess. And, <laughs> and I think the more I sort of heard that, the more I think I wanted mm. to to really learn how to make things like invisible or to make things super smooth or you know, to come up with an interesting storyline. Cause she, she's like, I don't think you should say this line. And I'm like, Oh mom, like it's, it's a bare bone script. <laughs> like, <you know? laughs> Relax mama bear. Like, don't make hard, You know? But yeah, but my mom, my mom is like, she's like spectator number one. She has seen all my tricks and she's, you know, uh, I think she's vetted through most of them as well.
0: Yeah. Mm. And, um, in the pre-interview, yeah. we talked a little so bit about the a trick slight. that you're the most proud yes. of. Yes, take that, mom. Uh, so there's this <laughs> slight called <laughs> the
1: pass. is where you sort of control a playing card from the middle to the top. And it's super awkward to learn, especially if you're a beginner magician. Like, your your fingers are supposed to be moving in weird ways. You're supposed to use these muscles in your hands that you've never used before. And you're supposed to grip the cards, like, weirdly. But at the same time, you're supposed to make it look like nothing happened, you know? <laughs> Uh, and I would practice this like mm-hmm. daily. I mean, there were days where I would sit down with a deck of cards in my hands for like six to eight hours, like it's, and just, you know, watching TV or sitting down reading something. And there's always just a deck in my hands, like just constantly practicing. And I would always show this to my mom. And she'd be like, yep, saw it. Yep. You flashed mm-hmm. like, yep. Saw it again. Like, ugh. you know, and then one day, one day I remember this, I got, I went into <laughs> her bedroom and she was sitting there in a bed and I'm like, mom, like, what do you think of this? And I showed it to her, and she was like, "What? Like you didn't do anything?" I'm like, "Yes!" It's like, like my biggest, I think, celebration is <laughs> like a, as a magician, you know. And the, 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 uh, yeah, she was like you didn't even do it to I'm an like, audience of yes, one. Yes, I did. Like, you know? so that was like uh, that was like my defining moment. <laughs> like, yep, I'm here. I'm
0: here, bitches. I'm here. <laughs> That's awesome. I think that's even more impressive because yeah. it wasn't like you know to impress anybody to you know whatever it was just mm-hmm. you putting in the hours and working it over and over again think, until you know you've gone through moments like, like it was that completely right like learning
1: how to do like how to string pull ups how to snatch better how to clean the jerk about Hell, now, I yeah. think we all are it's just that oh god I'm still going through that to make things look flawless as you said before or to to make things look you know like invisible and you know stuff like that.
0: I mean obviously that's a marker of a good ma- magician um, and a, the marker of a good host on radio mm-hmm. or in person is that they make transitions feel very natural very seamless you know what do you think I is think the marker there's, of a there's good a coach lot. Then?
1: like i think a coach a coach has to be the friend like you know that's like hey you're doing great buddy like you know a coach also has to be the mm-hmm. bad guy that's like hey like maybe we should peel those weights off you know i think a, a, being a coach means you wear like a lot of different hats i think you know like you got to be the supporter. You mm-hmm. got to be the guy that says, hey, like strip off the weight or maybe scale back a little bit. I know it sucks, but, you know, I think it's, it's for your safety. You got to be the, the little physiotherapist guy, you know, like, hey, like your ankles are looking a little tight today. Maybe you should go, you should go, you know, uh, <laughs> like roll out your calves or something, or you got to be the guy who comes up with the programming mm-hmm. that I think is best for you. you got, I think it's, you got to wear a lot of different hats and being able to juggle them well.
0: Yeah, and you've personally been uh, yes. remote so I coached think, uh, by OPEX. Uh, in the yeah, feel so like right? early
1: early this year. I I was uh, I was uh, under OPEX under Brian Foley, super cool guy. Yeah, so I think uh, you have to sign was up. Was that for a, a of twelve month process? Uh, I saw John Chia doing it, and he recommended it, and I decided, like you know, I mm-hmm. I just want to see what it's like being under a coaching program and stuff like that. So yeah,
0: I was, uh, for one year. I mean, I feel like I feel like there's heaps that you learn yeah. from being and, coach, and plus, especially having someone hold you accountable. You pay, you pay
1: a certain amount every month, and it's not it's not a it's not a small penny, and right. it, that's one thing that keeps you accountable. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, oh, like I got to do these these pieces of programming today. I mean, I paid so much for it; like, I really want to see what I can earn from it. You know what I mean?
0: What would you say would be sort of something that you experienced but didn't expect? Um, I from think the remote relationship coaching.
1: between a coach and like, uh, and and his like, uh, athlete, I think is one thing like he was super, like, we'd have once a month Skype calls, but mm-hmm. we end up just talking about things we like, like he asks about like the magic I do. And I ask about the music production stuff he does. Uh, you know, I think mm-hmm. he taught me, you know, how to listen to like, you know, to like to me, like, he was listening to me and what I was talking about. And, how he sort of went around that. Uh, I think that the initial consultation calls were very mm-hmm. interesting because it was very like, uh, I think, I think let's not lie. Like marketing and sales is part of like, uh, like part of our job, right? Like we're trying to get PT clients and stuff like that. And when I went through that consultation right. call, I'm like, man, this sounds so smooth. It sounds so slick. And they're very like, great. So like, you know we can put you up like they immediately assume (laughs) that you're jumping on so it puts you in that frame of mind it's 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 awesome like i love the psychology behind it so i learned that and like all that stuff like yeah yeah so i thought it was really cool like i think learning to listen to an athlete learning to a lot of bodybuilding movements because i was going through a shoulder injury at the time like how to sort of bulletproof my body i think just a lot of different Mm -hmm. bits and pieces here and there
0: Would you, what would you say would be the difference between being remote coached and having someone on site to watch you move and write daily I mean, programming uh, for you? Yeah, and the just difference train is like one. I gotta
1: show. I gotta take a lot of videos, and then I gotta send it over. And because of the time difference, like mm. I won't get you know feedback like on the spot whereas I think if you had a coach uh on site like I know you've got a couple of PT clients as well you can immediately see what's holding them up and you can immediately tell them Mm -hmm. what they they can change or they can alter or they can work on to be better it's that it's that feedback that's given like on the Mm -hmm. spot yeah instant feedback yeah for sure And I think just having someone see you and your progress and your weaknesses and your strengths, I think with a remote coach, they kind of have, I feel, uh, not just specifically to OPEX, but I'm sure other remote coaches, they have a framework that they feel might fit you, and then they'll adjust it along the way, if that makes sense.
0: Do you ever feel like because the remote coach has so many other different people that they're taking after, like it's… almost doesn't uh, feel super personal.
1: I feel like i never sure feel there that were with times Bryant. where I was like, wait, we're well, like, oh, like Nas because we got, we had the same coach at the one point, but I mean, not to bash or anything. Like I'm, sh- I'm sure, like when you have yeah. so many clients, uh, I'm sure, but I think they try their best to make things personal, which was great because in the first month uh, we did a lot of bodybuilding because I told him I had like really bad shoulder pain. And I think within a month I saw results and like I couldn't mm-hmm. get greater mobility in the shoulder so i i really feel that you know there there there's some pieces where where they can they will like cater to you especially with like your level of performance or like level of like health and stuff like that yeah Mm -hmm. i really feel that there's definitely some some pieces but i'm pretty sure uh they've also got some frameworks that they they apply to most their athletes to to and then they'll probably change it along the way once they see the results
0: Yeah. I mean, I ask only because um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you know this, but I did nutrition coaching okay. with Cassidy Duffield, who was with Mission Nutrition. And I've never been coached on my diet before. I've never been coached in terms of nutrition. So I never I mean, I didn't know what to expect. I just knew that there was going to be this person now who will yep. jump on a call with me <clears throat> once every once every week. And we'll talk about, you know, how I've been adhering to the diet or not adhering to the diet. And I think what I learned the most out of it was honestly that if you set a high standard for someone, like, for example, when Brian gave you, you know, three or four pieces of conditioning to do that day. And throughout the week, you've just not been able to finish it. For you to jump on that call and yeah, say, "You know what? I just didn't do it. I like felt I just like couldn't a do bit it." Of a
1: failure, and for you know, <laughs> them like, to, like, yeah. like you
0: feel really sorry. bad. You're like I'm really
1: sorry. Like I had a gig to go yeah. to, like you know whatever. And you feel really bad. Like you feel like you let like a dad down or something. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, and and I think when you set a standard, um, mm-hmm. but don't give them the tools to get there, right? Um, or just help them figure out strategies to, for example, get the right amount of protein in, or to get like, for example, in your case, the workouts in. Then it becomes, you set you set yourself yeah. up for a yeah, lot of yeah. potential I, for I really failure. I think also does that make Mel, sense?
1: Like regardless, uh, it's a remote athlete or like an on-site athlete. I think uh, I'm sure mm-hmm. you've experienced it. Like there's there's just a yeah. lot of trial and error. Yeah. And like, I think with like some of our you know, with some yeah. of clients, I'm pretty sure they want instant feedback, but you know, they want instant gains and stuff like that. But I think they don't realize that there's a lot of trial and error involved. Like I'll try my best to program something that I feel will help you reach your goals, but sometimes it might not
0: work for you and we might have to switch things up. I want to use this as... This is such a cheap cop, but I want to use this as a segue to talk about the king <laughs> of trial and error, Michael Mogard. <laughs> the king of trial and error. So, uh, is, I'm, I'm so... He is. He is. Feel, yeah, yeah. He's the ultimate he's, I diver, mean, I swear. Sorry, um, but- For... Sorry, for for those of you who are um, unfamiliar with Michael Mogar, (laughs) the most decorated athlete in Asia, 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 (laughs) he is a box owner uh, of three different gyms, CrossFit 673 in Jerudong, Bracas, and KB. Uh, He's also a highly skilled competitor and veteran in the CrossFit scene, Uh, has represented Asia in the CrossFit Games in 2013 <laughs> and was my former boss, current current mentor. Uh, and we together we we found Asia Championships, which is a regional competition that happens uh, every year. And yeah, so we talk we're talking about him being the when, ultimate what, MacGyver for When you say all like ultimate McGiver, like not just king of fitness. like
1: trial and error, what what uh what are you thinking of? Like what what was the situation? I'm curious
0: oh i mean there are just so many things um that i see in his life that i mean he's just like well i don't know if it's gonna work but i'm just gonna try it anyway that kind of spirit you know of just being open to trying different things and being okay with being just
1: trying things like i think being asian there's always that oh i don't want to try it like i might lose or like you know like a lot of people don't Yeah, lose face, or even like, or yeah, you might lose face, right? You know, we're in Asia, and like a lot of people, like very, very competitive in Asia, and some most of the time it's I don't want to join a competition if I know I'm not gonna Mm -hmm. like place, or I'm not gonna join if I think I'm gonna come last, you know, that sort of stuff.
0: Right, and like a good example would be that uh, UA competition that he did, yeah, which wasn't a CrossFit competition, the Test of Will. And he jumped in there and there were elements that were just, you know, would have thrown a classic CrossFitter <laughs> off like battle ropes and dragging yeah. a car and, and all these different things. Like, yeah. I certainly almost popped the hamstring doing that. But, it, you know, it's it's that kind of spirit of saying, I don't know what works, but I will try I everything Mo, until I find I'm something sure that will stick.
1: He just has he knows what his strengths and weaknesses are and he just believes in himself, you know. He's very confident in who he is and what he is out there to yeah. do. Yeah,
0: and also, I mean, apart from that, you've got to not yes, let the outcome dictate how you he feel about yourself. Preaches
1: to you and me a lot.
0: <laughs> oh, huge, big time, and I, 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 still, I still feel like I see, fe- hear I him in my ears sometimes. I'm
1: Pretty sure that's when I.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> 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 You know, oh he God, is. I and hope he doesn't. Hear he, this. he knows, like his two little, like uh you know, his two little friends are, are going on a podcast together. You know, he's going to be listening.
0: <laughs> oh, I hope That's so. Because uh, this one's for you, Michael Mogard.
1: The... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's a white chick. That's a joke. joke. <laughs> the movie. The movie. Um... Not the race. <laughs> oh, this is okay. So cool. weird. <laughs> we're talking about the king of of colonial Uh my yeah, guard.
0: Yeah. Um, so, uh, how did you how did you in meet the day, him? I think
1: like <laughs> back in the day, like oh, we're going late way back 2012, down. early 2013. I was Mr. Like cardio. I was like, oh, I am to. I did triathlons. I did like. I, I did like half marathon. Oh, you did? Yes, I, I forget. I, I was, <laughs> you stop. And those tight little me. spandex. Kind of spandex, now, gosh. <laughs> Uh, you know, I was I was doing spin classes, you know, because it was good for my physique.
0: I have body pumps so hard.
1: Okay, anyways, so I...
0: One and two and
1: three doing, I think I good. tried a CrossFit session. Like, a few friends uh, were like, hey, like, you should try CrossFit out and blah, blah, blah. And lo and behold, the first workout I did was which they said would be like, yeah, it's completely fine, like you can join, uh, was swimming Murph. Now, if you are a non-crossfitter listening to this, like <laughs> Murph like, is bad enough with the running. But this one was like a 1.6K a swim, uh, like 100 push-ups, 200 sit-ups, 300 squats, and then like another 1.6K swim is in like you know luck like I was I was a very strong swimmer so I could kind of hang with the pack but then I've never done 300 squats in a year let alone 300 squats in a day Mel like (laughs) you could imagine how sore I was the next week like I just couldn't walk and I told myself like man this crossfit thing is silly I've tried it I can say it's stupid I can say it's not safe I'm never going to do this ever again and then uh Dexter Keysbury a friend of mine who's now based in Singapore uh, he was like, "Hey, you should, you should. There's this new CrossFit gym. Mm-hmm. You should definitely try it out." Like, it's, I'm like, "Oh, okay." So I came in for one class, and I told myself, "Yeah, maybe I could. I could, you know, switch up my training once in a while. I'll do this like once a week." And then I end up coming every single day since then. <laughs> so I was in love with CrossFit. That's where I met Michael <laughs> Mogard. Man, he's a super cool guy. And you know how he always has that poker face, that strong like, "Oh, hey, how are you doing?" Like, you know. But then when you finally get to meet him, you're like, "Oh man, this guy's
0: <laughs> hilarious." Well, he thinks. <laughs> I mean, you guys have been on so many different experiences together, yeah. not just like in the gym, but yeah. also traveling, doing different things together. What is he really like behind the, he you know, stoic, like, up? Like, we have a very
1: similar sense of humor, and we always <laughs> quote, like, Anchorman and Zoolander and stuff like that. Uh,. <laughs> what? Make fun of Mel? My goodness, Mel! Why would you say such lies? <laughs> uh, you know, he's, he's a he's a big family guy. Shoot your you face! Know? And he's he's like I think with you. Yeah. I think, uh mm-hmm. Like with me, he's he's a guide. He helps guides me. You know, I, I feel like he he's like a he's like a brother to me. He's like a friend. He's like a dad sometimes as well. Like and like yeah he's he's Mm -hmm. he's uh he's got a pretty huge uh role in my life and i think behind the scenes uh yeah he's just he's just as good as they come man
0: so i will never forget how one of our friends described Mo because i i distinctively remember (laughs) debating within myself whether i would take a job in brunei or in hong kong and um michelle wong uh if i don't I mean, she used to come to the gym at six, seven, three, described it to me uh, in, in the most apt way possible about how Mo approaches things, which is that he would do like a Jedi mind trick on you and he, he gets you to answer that, your right? own Let's questions by yourself. Yeah,
1: I, I have no, he, because he wants you to think about it, right? Like he wants me and, and I feel like, if, right. you know, he doesn't want like, what if, what if he said, all right, now as you do this, and then I end up doing it and it doesn't work out. And then I'm just going to end up blaming him. You know what I mean? Like, you know?
0: Right. And and while we're on the topic of like, what are the markers of like a good coach or a good mentor? That's just sort of like, when I think about what a good coach would do, it isn't to transpose their like anecdotal evidence, like what they have experienced because, oh, it because it's worked for me. So it must work for you mm-hmm. um, onto their athletes. The best coaches most often ask you, well, let's figure out why this is happening to you. What based on what I understand about human physiology and you know, just your movement patterns, what's causing the pain? Yeah, I, I, think right, I think you're right, man. I think you, you hit the
1: nail on that. I really, I really think so. Like, I think the mark of a good coach really is not to to force their your their goals on or their ideals on you, like you. Yeah, for sure.
0: And their experiences, right? Like, if Mo were to go around saying, you know, I this has worked for me when I moved from the States all the way to yeah. Brunei, you're going to be fine. Go wherever you want. Right. Like that wouldn't be very applicable to me. Cause then I just feel like he's blanketing over like this, like fear and concern that I have yeah. that I may not fit in, might not find a job, things like that. So, you know, being able to externalize your personal experience into what you say and give as, a, as advice to people, is i think one of the most important things about being a coach so um while we're on the track of being a coach uh you've been a coach for how long i got
1: my level one in 2013 like late 2013. so i've been a coach since almost oh four years now i think
0: so you've been a coach for four years you've been a magician for seven years. no you've been a a magician (laughs) i don't know if there's anyone else who who's as charismatic as you are when you walk into a room like there's something (laughs) let me finish like i think you don't
1: need i think you have finished like
0: (laughs) (laughs) so uh for those of you who have never been in the presence of nazri harib he, he is downright one of my favorite people to hang out with because it's always a good time with him um and there's also there's always an underbelly to like people who are really like yeah. happy though right like not a lot of people get to see that side of you that's not you know excited or like yeah. thrilled to be there or like the joker uh, tell us a little bit more about so I, I you know the man behind the laughter right
1: like i was thinking to myself like you know why? Why did I like to skateboard? Why did I like to do magic? Why did I like a lot of mm-hmm. like individual or solo or like I guess you could say like attention like seeking like activities? Like um, I really feel so. I was talking right. about this with Mo as well. Like, and I, I really think. Um, so I live. Uh, I live with my mom and my little sister. My my parents divorced when I was like twelve or thirteen. That that age you know, and I, I live with my mom and my sis. It was mm-hmm. a it was a crazy time, man, like, when I heard that, and I think I really feel like I've just always, like, as a kid, like, I've always just wanted the, like, attention. Not from my mom. My mom would always give me the attention. Like, I think maybe from, like, right. I, I don't know. I don't want to get into too much detail, but, like, maybe, like, you know, from, from maybe, maybe from dad, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, just maybe. But, you know, like, oh, always, I mean, just you know, maybe. like there's always yeah. that underlying, like, I know what it feels like to be to be sad, and I think being a magician allows me to. to if you're sad, hopefully cheer you up or to bring some brightness to your day. And I, I want to, you know, I I don't want other people to ever have to feel sad. I think that if I can entertain you, if I can say something or do something that will cheer you up, or you know, maybe that's something uh something I, I'd like to do.
0: Does so does that? I mean, obviously, when you use a trick or use a um just sort of your charisma to to draw attention to yourself to make you feel a little bit more validated um there's this addiction to it there's almost this high when you get someone to laugh and you're like i think oh, so. i've listened to a that lot person. of podcasts I do it again?
1: Uh, about magician from like with magicians And I think I think all of them said something that I could always relate Mm -hmm. to. Like they were always like the awkward kids who weren't super social. Like there's maybe like the one in the one hundred. I mean, we learn these tricks to impress people, right? Because we want to win friends. Uh, We also learn, Mm -hmm. and you know, I think that that slowly Mm -hmm. shifts. The more you get into magic, the more you get into performing. It's not about like just trying to impress people or making friends, but now it's like I wanna I wanna share a moment with them. And I think it shifts over your different Mm. evolutions as a magician or as a performer i think yeah
0: that's awesome um i think that brings us to our final question of the day (laughs) um this question i've stolen from tim ferris podcast and for those of you who don't know tim ferris he is an investor but more importantly he just he has a lot of wisdom to share and he is one of the guys that I look up to and one of the biggest awesome. reasons why I've started podcasting as well. Um, the question of the day is, what have you gotten better at um, saying no
1: to over time? This is a great question, Mel. Uh, to junk food. <laughs> no, uh, I can never say no to junk food. Uh, I think <laughs> lies, being able lies. to say no to like, you know, performances that I feel like uh isn't as beneficial i think back in the day like would it be like hey like there's this magic show do you want to perform like it's free blah, blah blah you know like and i'd be like i'd jump right on just to try to get my name out there and stuff like that i think now like you know i have my rates and i i feel that i have uh like because i feel i'm a quality performer i have certain uh rates that i sort of give out to to people and stuff like that and if they don't feel like they, they, they want something free and stuff like that, I think. Not to sound snobbish, but also because, you know, like when I do performances, there's a lot of like setup, there's a lot of teardown, there's a lot of transport. I got to set up.
0: Mm-hmm. Not to mention, yeah, you know, the sure. 10 years for of experience sure, you, know, so you put into it. Being practicing. able to say
1: no to people who ask for a performance or like, you know, even like back then, like I think even like, oh no, this is my friend, show him a trick. Like I don't do that anymore. I think. Uh, I mm-hmm. I used to be like, oh yeah, sure, look at this because look <laughs> at me, I'm a performing monkey, you know, <laughs> you know. But I think uh, now I, I just right. To, I think a lot of other magicians do this as well is to to really gauge if they really do want to see a trick. They they ask they, they wait for the person to ask like at least three times because then, then it shows they're invested. It shows that they mm-hmm. really do want to see some magic, you know, and not just for the <laughs> sake of hey, show me a magic, trick, you know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So now I usually like wait entertain a me a few more times. Like if someone says, "Hey, like we heard you're can you show me?" I'm like, "No la, no need la. you know, I'm very shy." But then the more they ask, then the more I know that they're <laughs> actually invested in in wanting to actually see some magic, then then I I show them some magic.
0: For sure. And it's also knowing your worth, right? Like that you wouldn't you wouldn't put in hours or put in necessarily your time um into something, somebody, or something that doesn't sure. recognize people what don't you're bringing see, to the table. Uh,
1: just like CrossFit, <clears throat> just like you know, being a radio DJ, just like being a coach, just like being a magician. People don't see the hours that's not on stage, you know what I mean? Or, or behind the scenes. they When they see someone snatch 100 kilos, they don't see the times they were struggling with 60 kilos. Mm-hmm. They don't see the annoying overhead squats. They have to do rep after rep after rep. You know, they don't see mm-hmm. the mobility work that goes on. It's just like magic. Like, they don't see the amount of practice that goes on behind, the rehearsal time, the coming up with scripts, the standing in front of a mirror for hours, just trying to figure out your angles and stuff like that. They don't see all that. And I think Yeah.
0: Or even the anxiety that goes behind, like, you know, oh, yeah. standing behind the curtain. That waiting, man. Waiting oh, for that's your the
1: worst. You're right. That's so bad. I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> it's still, I think I people still? keep asking, like, you do still hate you still that? get nervous, like, going on stage? And I'm like, oh, hell yes. Like, regardless how small or how big the show is, like, so I've performed for groups of five, and I've performed for groups of, like, 3,000 and above, and, like, it's still the same fear. Yeah, yeah. Heck, you were sure. nervous for how this how podcast. Oh, my gosh. Oh, <laughs> so, well, uh, audience yeah, of one, very regardless hard to of disappoint. the show, I always still get nervous. The anxiety is always still there. But uh my rule of thumb, I feel, is if I can nail the first trick or if I'm hosting and I can nail the first line or the first delivery or the first joke, then I know the rest of the show is going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll cross what that bridge when I get it? there,
0: Mel. <laughs> Can I share? I, I, I've, I've had, so, sorry, so I shouldn't have put I that think, in there. I think I
1: would know what would happen because I've had the worst uh, ever like show ever happen. Do we, do we have a few more minutes to talk about it? I'm sorry. So it was one of my yeah, first ever it. shows in 2011. No, right. It was for a, a VV VIP mm-hmm. like really big. Name. It was it was her birthday uh and i did this uh, i was they invited me cool. to do a show for her birthday and you know there's a band and everything and all that stuff and um because the guy that was singing was singing all these english songs and i'm like great i need someone who can speak english really well for this trick to work i'm just gonna call this guy so he comes on stage yeah. and i turn like there's this it's the stupid routine like it was silly of me to to put a trick like this at the start but there's this silly routine where I look around, I look away and I give him instructions like, oh, pick up something, put it in your pocket, pick up something, put it in your other pocket. And like when I turn back, like all the items were still on the table. And I'm like, oh man, like apparently he's really good at singing oh. English songs, but he doesn't speak English. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So one, I was like, Shoot. All right, Nasir, you're gonna have to figure out a way to like, you know, save your show. So one, I start pickpocketing him which was you know it was I was what I was into but I'm not not so into anymore and that was like a little funny just got some laughs and I send him off stage but as he walks off stage he bumps like my prop case so all my props spill all <sighs> over the floor in front of this crowd and I'm like oh my goodness like yeah. So I, I told myself oh, at that God. moment, like, everyone's literally looking at me, their mouths are open, they're shocked, like, what is this guy going to do, you know? And I, I looked at everyone, and the first thing I said on the mic, like, I mean, there were two things in my head, like, one, you can either go on with the show, and, you know, you're a professional, go on with the show, or two, just literally say thank you and head off. Like, I'm sure either way, like, it will work out, you know? So I, so I grabbed the microphone, I looked at everyone and said, mm-hmm. well that's awkward and everyone just laughs so the, the okay. tension the tension was like cut and <laughs> i picked up all my props and i went on with the show and i i think to myself now because that's like the lowest i've ever been like anything bad that could have happened with my show like went wrong like if i know that i could survive that and like, mm. i can kind of survive anything else yeah so yeah that's I mean, awesome that's man my, that's my worst ever that's
0: that was also the moment you realized you wanted to be a, a comedy magician, like a funny magician. Yes, I, I think I think it's moments like that, like
1: yeah, for sure. Good call, man. I think you're right.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Nazri. No, this has so been super awesome. I, I mean, we're coming out, we are coming out to Brunei to see you guys. So hopefully we'll we'll pick it up from there, uh, episode mm-hmm. number two with Nazri. Hopefully. If not, uh it's been Thanks awesome. So having you on guys the show. leave thank your you likes time, uh,
1: in the comments in the description below and we've got links to all no, we don't we have no links. We have no have no likes, no description, <laughs> nothing, just just enjoy it, right?
0: <laughs> We're not talking to anyone, thank, don't thank worry so about much, it. John. But if you guys are lucky, Nazri will insert Ooh. a video of <laughs> his favorite card trick. Maybe, or maybe not. I don't know, John. Don't get excited. I love how John always
1: gets dragged into like the magic conversation. He's never here to defend himself.
0: <laughs> well, he is the eight-year-old girl that like fawns over every single point oh, trick man. that you
1: can do. I miss him, man. I miss him. He's not hard. I miss you it's more. Great. I miss you more, Mel. He
0: misses you, too. Okay. Oh, oh, oh. All right. I'm, take this offline now. Most. Wait, what? Okay. <laughs> All right. Bye. <laughs> Wait, what? See ya. Bye. And that's it. It's a wrap. And to all three of you who made it all the way to the end, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I really enjoyed having this conversation with Nasri and having all three of you guys listening with me. Before you leave, I would love to put power in your hands to give me a story or someone to interview that you'd love to see on this podcast. So hit up Instagram, type in at better podcast and leave me a message. Thanks guys. Peace.